some of you have life verses, and I've heard I've heard some of you say that that your life verse was so and so. Uh, I I don't have a life verse. If anything, I've got a life song. Uh, some of you have read my book, and uh, on my faith chapter in my book, I quote this. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Enough for me that Jesus saves, that ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me, his precious blood he shed. For me, his life he gave. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. <clears throat> that was written, the lady died in 1920. She's known by Eliza Hewitt. She wrote a lot of songs. Some of them, you have to be as old as me to know about them. But uh, some you don't. Sunshine in my soul. Will there be any stars when we all get to heaven? And the one I just quoted, my faith has found a resting place. The word, the written word of God. We're going to do a little <clears throat> running a rabbit before we get to 1 John this morning. According to scholars and people who keep up with this kind of stuff, um, John wrote, and he was the last writer in the New Testament canon, and we're going to use that word again, um, that the first, anybody know what the, they say the first book was written? Anybody? The first Job. book? Job. The book of Job? Job in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm thinking about the New Testament. I'm sorry. Mark. Mark's up there. They say James. James is the first book probably to be written. His brother, no, that uh, James was written by the Lord's brother, half brother. But John, as we've talked about here, uh, Revelation, First uh, and Second John, and then the Gospel of John was probably the last book that was written. Well. <clears throat> when we when we go to the scripture we're going to go to in 1 John it automatically takes you to the gospel of John and it was written you know John might have been 80, 90 years old they say he was died when he was 88 I don't know who knows that but anyway uh, <clears throat> he was an old man and yet um, this the gospel that we just went through not too long ago was written a long time ago. And as I've said, and when we get to this, 
uh, scripture in First John, he might have said, you know, if if it was Bill, Bill, I'd say, uh, you know, I, I've got more to say. <laughs> I've I've got more to say. Um, and so he went back, I would think, and wrote the gospel, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But <clears throat> I used the word canon a while ago. Um, it's uh, the the people who uh, put our Bible together uh, called it a canon. It was called that in Hebrew times, and it came comes from a, a Hebrew Greek word, which means measuring rod or the rule of a faith. Um, the church fathers in the fourth century first employed the reference as an authority nature of the body of sacred scriptures. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of funny to me because in the world that I lived in for years, um, when we would have a cable schedule or a PNID, which is a process and instruments diagram, somebody would say, well, that's the Bible. That's where we go back to to, to, to find out what we're doing in a, in a job. But this canon, they, scholars tell us that the canon that we have, this collection of, of, um, of books uh, that we call our Bible, the Old Testament part was pretty much settled by the time that Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Esther was written. Um, King Hazarus, uh, the Jews had, had pretty much agreed that that was going to be the Old Testament at that time. And it pretty much stayed that way. Now, the, two, the New Testament was written by the apostles with exceptions <laughs> and we need to understand who the apostles are <clears throat> you know Matthew was one John was one Paul was one he says he was of timely born the Lord spoke to him the Lord called him for a particular task and he is an apostle uh, unto the Lord the book of James that we talked about a while ago, uh, which was the Lord's brother. And if you remember the Jerusalem council that we went through when we were uh, studying the book uh, that, that of John, that, that they went there and at that time the leader of the apostles at that time was the Lord's brother, half-brother James as an apostle. So who does that leave out? Uh, that leaves out Mark, and re leaves out Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and Luke. It leaves out Hebrews, and it leaves out Jude, which is the Lord's, uh, another half-brother of the Lord. Now, Mark, what did we say when we went through Mark? Mark wrote what? Mark wrote what Peter preached, okay. And Peter was, was there uh, when, when Mark wrote. And as Art said, it was probably early. It was, it's a little discussion whether Mark was written first or Matthew was written first, but 
they're, they're both uh, right there. <clears throat> so Mark wrote what Peter preached. So Peter, being an, um, the apostle, <clears throat> if you go to scripture, who was the first person <laughs> that Jesus chose to be his disciple? Say, Andrew. Andrew went and got his brother, Peter. And the rest of the time in Scripture, Andrew was Peter's brother. <laughs> he, to me, he got a bad rap. And he says, Andrew, Peter's brother, you know. And then the next two were who? James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And this is the one we're talking about today. Okay. Hebrews, we don't know who wrote. You know, we've got our favorites. And, and, and when the canon was put together, a lot of people thought it was Paul. And so that it was quickly put in the canon. Not only that, because, but it was just good. You know, you, can, you bear witness with, with a writing that is just extraordinarily good. And uh, so that brings us to... Uh, Luke and Acts. Um, so, if you will, turn to Colossians, the fourth chapter. Um, G.E. Power Company, I don't know if you learned it that way. Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. <clears throat> Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. In the last chapter of Colossians, Paul is... Uh, reminiscing a little bit and he's telling of these guys who were with him and there's some things that in one sentence we we know we have said that everybody that wrote in scripture was a Jew save Dr. Luke he was he was not a Jew and this is where we get it from here in verse 7 of chapter 4 uh, he talks of ticket Ticketus, and then uh, in verse 9, he talks about Onesimus, which we have a real short book of. Um, in verse 10, uh, we have another guy I can't pronounce, and then we have Barnabas' uh, cousin, Mark, which was John Mark, which is the guy who wrote the gospel uh, there. <clears throat> in verse 11, and also Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. All right. When Paul talked in all through Romans, he talks about the circumcision. He's talking about the people who were Jews, people who were Israelites. He's, and so he calls out these people and he makes this statement. He says, fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision they have proved to be an encouragement to me then he goes down in verse 14 he says Luke the beloved physician sends greetings and also Demas <clears throat> okay when I was looking at, at scripture and I, I've, <laughs> we've talked about John Gruden's um, <clears throat> systematic theology and the very, yeah, who'd I say? John. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm hung up on John. <laughs> well, Wayne, Wayne group. <clears throat> okay. Uh, he starts off his book 
with the word. He, he starts off. That, and that's fundamental for everything we do. When somebody comes to your house and, and uh, they don't believe this, you don't have a lot to say, you know. And we've talked about our Mormon friends and Jehovah's Witness friends. They start off with maybe scripture, but they quickly transition to their own writing. But <clears throat> uh, it's, it's what we have, this canon that we have, this collection that we have, according to Wayne, is going to be with us forever. Uh, even if something else is brought along, you know, we had the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were found, and they added a lot, but they didn't add anything to Scripture. They just proved what we had already had to be correct. But <clears throat> Paul says something in the fourth chapter, uh, verse 16. He says, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. That never made it into the canon. That never made it into our book. We don't know what happened to Paul's letter to the Laodiceans. Probably the thing that we do uh, remember about Laodicea, when John wrote the Revelation, he says, you're lukewarm, you know, I'd spew you out of my mouth, you know. But the, the layout, of, there might be some scripture um, that we find in time. But it probably will never be added to this canon that we know as the Bible. So the written word is very, very important. Um, look at Second Peter. Uh, you're where you are, and you can go to the go to the right a little bit, and you can find Second Peter. Second Peter three, verses fourteen through sixteen. I, was, I knew that scripture wasn't right, but I, I was in 1 Peter, 2 uh, Peter 3. Okay, 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which we are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unsatiable distort, they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So Peter, an apostle, was aware of Paul's writing, an apostle. It all comes together. Then 1 
Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians, back to the left. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's begin with verse 8. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for had they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard, which hath not entered the heart of man, all of that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Okay. Now, First John. That's where we, uh, where we are landing. Uh, let me see. I'm looking for a name here. Tony and Patty. Okay. What we do in this class is we take a. Um, we take a, a book of the Bible and we go through it and we're in 1 John. And that's where we, we are, we'll be in 1 John until we finish 1 John. We'll go to 2 John, 3 John, and Jude in this particular series. <clears throat> so 1 John chapter 2, let's look at verse 25. This is the promise which he gave, which he himself made to us eternal life these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you as for you the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you have no need of anyone to teach you but as he his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and is just as he has taught you, you abide in him. Now little children abide in him, so that he, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone 
also who practice righteousness is born of him. This was written before the gospel of John was written, as we were saying. Now, <clears throat> humanly speaking, if the gospel of John was the last thing that was be written, and we come back to this and we say, whoa, John was an old man, and he comes back and writes the gospel. There were no recorders. Xerox hadn't invented a copier yet. We didn't have ABC, NBC, CBS, and all the rest of them, you know. We didn't have this. If you look at the Gospel of John, there's an awful lot of red writing in it. Now, red writing in our Bibles was put there by scholars who says, Jesus said this, okay? Probably your better interpretation is one that didn't have a red, a red writing in it. But that's, that's what we have. Mine has it, you know. So, when you read this scripture here, you know, John says, you know, I've got something to say about that. And so under the inspiration of the Spirit and the recall of the Spirit, God, through John, went back and wrote the gospel that we've just gone through, which is magnificent. Now, what is the scripture we, we quoted all the time we, went, we were in there? That he wrote it that we may know that Jesus came and he came to give us eternal life. That's what John said. He also said in the gospel, he wrote many, many things. And if so, probably the world itself couldn't contain it. So we look here in verse 25. The promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. Okay. Now, turn in your scripture in, in the gospel of John to, guess what? John 3, 16. And, uh, and you can we're going to camp in John for a little bit John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life okay let's read 17 for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him he who believes in him is not judged he who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So in John 1, 25, he says, This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. So when John wrote that, he says, You know, I've got, I've got to go back and tell the story. And he told the story of Nicodemus coming to him by night. 
and and says, you must be born again. You must be born again. Through the first and second chapters of First John, we've come to this thing that Paul wrote it to little children because there was deception in the community. There was deceivers, and we talked about that last week. People coming in sheep's clothing. When the word sounded good, you know, we've got them today, you know, but, but it's, it's not true. They deny the Son. They deny the Trinity. They deny some more things. Look what he says in verse 26 of First John. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Trying to deceive you. Warren Wiersbe, which is another um, resource that I'm using, this is what he says about deceivers. He says it's interesting to, to observe that the anti-Christian groups rarely try to lead lost sinners to their faith. Instead, they spend much of their time trying to convert process, uh, professing Christians and church members to their own doctrines. They're out to seduce the faithful. Last week I said, and I'll bear it again, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to be able to say, that's not of God. That's not of God. He also says, Satan, Satan is the original. He is a counterfeiter. Satan counterfeits ministers who preach counterfeit gospel that produce counterfeit Christians who depend on counterfeit righteousness. He also says, that it's important for you to be able to detect the counterfeit and separate the teachings of Christ from the fall teachings of Antichrist, as we talked about last week, by depending on the teaching of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have already received your special anointing. And that's what he says here. John, back, back to 1 John, verse 27. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you about all things. And it's true. It's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, abide in him. John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Go there with me. <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 14. Let's pick up in verse 16. Everybody with me? Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the helper, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Last Sunday in worship, Tracy 
letters and a, a hymn that had the word paraclete in it. And she told us that it is one who goes alongside. And this word helper, comforter, uh, paraclete, one who goes alongside. Helper that he will be with you, verse 17, that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, we talked about the world last week, Words don't have meaning. They have usage. We're talking about the world system here whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, capital H, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer uh, see me. But you will see me because I live, and you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Jesus, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father who sent me these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said even years later the Holy Spirit told John, write it, write it, and he did. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You hear that I said to you, I, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for now the Father is greater than I. Now I've told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. <clears throat> so what has he said in verse 27 of 1 John? For you have the anointing which you receive from him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach but the anointing teaches what are all things are true and not a lie. So these people that were coming in telling all these things you, you have in you the spirit of truth. Every one of you has probably proved that point. Because things have come across your lives that you 
heard talk, you heard people preach, and, and all of a sudden your ears went forward and your antennas picked up as it as a little girl that Carson put on the the, the slideshow, uh-uh, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. <clears throat> What's telling you that? The one that's in you, the abider, the truth. You listen to him. <clears throat> Y'all remember Jack Bethay. Jack and I were in a Bible study on Tuesday morning for a long time. And Jack had problems with this sometimes, and I, I told him, I said, uh, have you got a conscience? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, well, you can almost say that that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You know, you, you, you're aware of, of, of something that happens. You're aware of the wrong way. I don't know about you, but I bet it's true with you. It's not a nanosecond after I do something stupid that the Holy Spirit convicts me, Bill, you messed up. You messed up. And that's good because that's the Lord with us, with us. Now, verse 28 of, of um, 1 John. Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So let's continue reading in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where <clears throat> it's very familiar. You've heard sermon after sermon preached here. Verse 1 of chapter 15 of the gospel. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So, Scripture says we have some work to do too. We have to abide in him. Well, how do we do this? How do we do this? It's not, as Lou Holt says, it's simple. It's simple. Stay with God's people. Read scripture and pray. It's that simple. Abide in him. Verse 6 of chapter 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dried up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will done, be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. 
so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What did we talk about on the very first day we looked at 1 John? 1 John 1, 4. These things we write so that our joy may be complete. John hadn't changed his M.O. or his words <clears throat> that our joy may be complete. So in this little short five verses here, four verses, he's saying that, that uh, one, two, three, four, five, five verses, that he's, uh, <clears throat> he wants to bring back to our memory that Jesus said eternal life is in him. And that because eternal life is in him and our faith in him, nothing we have done, but we've appropriated Christ's righteousness as our Savior, he has given us the Holy Spirit which abides within us and teaches us and guides us and leads us into all truth. Even if it's years later, as John Proved in his writings if the scholars are true and the gospel was the last book written. So, <clears throat> in this particular case, uh, John had more to say. And as we go through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we'll see how the gospel of John comes back to work for us and how it leads us and teaches us and guides us. Okay? All right. So we'll pick up with chapter 3 next week, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, a couple of things. Kathy, I see you don't have any wheels this morning. I graduated off from it Thursday. Good. Good. Thank you, Phillips, would you